0: Welcome to Studio One. If you like what you see, like and subscribe and comment. How's UConn dealing with uh, COVID?
1: Really well. We're super fortunate here. Um, yeah, like we, you know, we, the first few months were kind of like everywhere else in Canada, where was like three months of lockdown and, you know, everyone was scared and panicking. Um, but then our government you know, issued like a bunch of guidelines and rules and restrictions for the community to follow, you know, whether you're a bar, a restaurant, a venue, you know, just a regular place. And uh, yeah, people followed those rules really well. And our numbers are really low. Like, I I don't even know if we've gotten over 79 cases or maybe we're at like 81 cases total, but it's like nothing like people have just been really respectful. And yeah, we, I got both my vaccines. So yeah, we're just super lucky. <laughs> yeah.
0: Is everything, is everything opening up over there?
1: Yeah, like restaurants opened pretty much after the first wave passed. We haven't had our restaurants closed down since then. So even though there was a kind of second wave, it's like our second wave was pretty small. So restaurants have just been open the whole time. Same with venues. Like the, the venues were closed for the first little while, and then they've been open for the past six months. Like doing shows, you know, it's been crazy.
0: It's <laughs> great. yeah, because you. From what I've seen, you're a big performer. Well, a lot of most musicians love performing and you're certainly a huge. That's a big part of your life. So it's nice to Mm -hmm. have that back. Yeah. So I'll just uh, introduce myself. So thank you for coming on to Studio One. We interview artists of diverse genres and backgrounds. I'm Mike. Uh, Can you please introduce yourself?
1: My name is Paris Pick and I live here in Whitehorse, Yukon. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So what is it? um, I've read that you grew up on Vancouver Island. What was that uh, experience like?
1: Um, It was good. I was born in North Vancouver and raised between North Van and Squamish throughout my toddler childhood years. And then I moved to Port Hardy, which is the end of Vancouver Island. You have Tofino on one side, Port Hardy's exact far opposite and uh, yeah, that's where I spent my high school years and where I graduated. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, so you wanted to be a cartoonist growing up. Who are your favorite cartoons and cartoonists?
1: Um, I loved Ralph Bakshi. Um, and I was also just a big fan of like Disney animation. Um, yeah, like I just thought the whole process was really incredible, like taking individual you know, images and animating them. I just thought it was super, like, rad. Um, and I also liked graphic novels, too. Um, but, yeah, I'd say it mostly came from watching lots of animated movies as a child.
0: Did you mess around with Flash a lot?
1: Uh, I actually had, um, I had not Flash so much as I had a tablet that I could use. And I would, like, yeah, do some cool, yeah, like, make my own little animations.
0: Yeah. So you were pretty serious. Yeah. So, uh, I read somewhere that you were, uh, you mentioned being in uh, student council, my, uh, student council in grade 11, they spent so much money that in grade 12, we didn't, we couldn't afford a prom. So what position were you in your, uh, student council?
1: Um, I was like marketing or like public relations. So like if there was like a school dance, I would make the posters. Um, I would help come up with like the theme for like things like that. And I would also do like morning announcements, which is hilarious because like before I was a singer, I actually hated like my voice and like I was really shy and I I don't even think I played an open, uh, what was it called, like the school talent show. I think I entered in like grade nine or ten. I can't remember. But even just going on the microphone and doing the morning announcements, like, good morning, PHSS, like, what made me so anxious.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I read uh, morning announcements in middle school. It was, we were just robots, looking back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we didn't know what we were doing. And I think, I don't know of the confidence thing, because, yeah, I didn't really open up in school, too, because my friends are pretty uh, introverted. You, do you think it's because... Um, of the, all the clicks, like if you weren't a popular kid, it was really hard to like, just express yourself.
1: Yeah. I got bullied quite a bit in elementary school. So when grade eight rolled around, I remember it started with more bullying. Um, but then I was able to kind of like stand my ground and luckily it got easier as the years went by, but definitely like my fair share of being, being the weird one in school so then also being the weird kid that reads the announcements, like you definitely get dogged for that. People would mock my voice and stuff.
0: <laughs> okay. I I thought I had it. I don't think I had it nearly as rough. I was both the <laughs> bully. Bu- I was both bullying people and getting bullied. So I was just caught in a mix.
1: Yeah, uh, exactly.
0: Yeah. There are kids that I sometimes think about that everyone just pushed around and uh, <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if they, uh, wonder if you know they, they they dealt with that part of their life and their yeah because I apologize to some people I, I uh I bully because I felt like you know moving on but um,
1: yeah
0: those things stick with you I, I've exactly. tried I've tried for a while like it was years like like he didn't my middle school bully didn't even do anything to me really but it's just memorable and uh yeah I let go like a year ago like it's it's it takes yeah. a while
1: yeah. I uh I, I went to squamish two times since I left uh you know as a kid I've been there twice, I think I was on tour both times and uh, one of those times I came in contact with one of my elementary school bullies and it was really funny because you know he came to my show and he listened to my music on the internet and yeah, he totally was like, you know, I apologize. And I was like, yeah, all good, man. Like, you know, we're adults now. I appreciate that you can recognize you were mean.
0: <laughs> that's pretty sweet. That's, that's, yeah. yeah. I hope, yeah, I hope I, I made, I made good ends with, uh, yeah, with people. So uh, you mentioned that you were working in camps and that helped you with you're songwriting a lot. Um, how did that, uh, was it because of the nature or the solitude? Like what part of it helped you a lot?
1: Um, so I've only worked one camp job, but the time that I did, it was really intense because it was four weeks in two weeks home. So it was definitely the solitude. Um, it was like, I would work a 12 hour day and then there's nothing else to do when you're not working other than, you know, they had a gym and they had a little hangout area, you know, like a community zone. And I would just go to this room that was like a secret gym that was kind of like tucked away like the old gym. And I would sit in there and play my ukulele and write songs. And uh, yeah, I'm the kind of person that definitely like if I have no distractions, I'm definitely like way more artistic. Sometimes I struggle on my days off like for you know, today, for example, I've just like been dabbling and I love the internet. I watch a lot of YouTube and stuff. So I get like sidetracked. I think I have ADHD sometimes. So being there was good because it forced me. It's like my partner wasn't there. My cat wasn't there. It was just like work and write.
0: <laughs> what what attracted you to the ukulele? That seems like a big, uh, it's like number one instrument. Like, and you also mentioned that you played the electric ukulele. I didn't even know that was an that was option.
1: <laughs> um, so my... Uh, A friend of mine in high school uh, named Josh, he one day, you know, because me and my partner at the time and a bunch of our high school friends had been like starting to jam and like form like little dinky high school bands. And in those projects, I started playing bass and it was a four string instrument and I was like really liking it. And then in grade 12, um, in grade 11, I'd moved to Nanaimo for a year where I like got into band class for my first time, got used to bass, came back to Port Hardy. They don't have band class there. So I remember like I was working at a cafe and he brought me a ukulele and he's like, you know, you should try this thing out. Like it's easy, it's accessible. You know, you could start writing songs on it. Cause I think I was writing poetry but I didn't really know how to apply that if I was playing bass. Um, So this was like an instrument I could strum and do the thing. And I immediately clicked with it and I played the ukulele for like six or seven years total. And it was like the perfect medium between me and my songs. But like, because I found guitar really hard for some reason. So it was just another four string instrument. And um, yeah, then by the end of it, I had like six electric ukuleles. Like some of them are like steel string, like a guitar pretty much Mm. just tuned like a ukulele and uh, some other ones had uh, my favorite one had like nylon strings just like an acoustic ukulele but it had like tone options that it sounded really nice so you can make it sound not as twangy as like cheap ukuleles um yeah <laughs> and then I graduated from ukulele to guitar and now I haven't played ukulele in like two years
0: <laughs> mm, okay
1: which I'm happy about
0: <laughs> yeah I used to play violin so I guess I should have which is also I think well, I shouldn't think. Which is also four strings. So I should. I think <laughs> I might have. It should have been an option for me, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I messed around a garage band, but that's pretty much about it. So what? Um, I there was a lot of I guess things I learned about you from the sit down episode that podcast that you were on. What, what is the uh, hitchhiking? experience in Canada Uh, you mentioned that it's a mutual fear for both hitchhikers and drivers
1: yeah totally like um you know Canada is actually a really friendly place like we're lucky here um you know I hear traveling in like certain areas in the world are like better than others but I feel like Canada is generally pretty good um you know like I was 18 years old when I did that trip across Canada before I ended up in the Yukon and um would I do it now maybe not, but maybe also, I'm not sure. But at the time, I definitely wasn't thinking about, you know, like I, I started my trip in McBride, which was like, you know, the first thing I did was go on the Highway of Tears. And I didn't even know what the Highway of Tears was. And then, you know, cops pulled over and were like, ma'am, hitchhiking's illegal. Do you know about the road and like what's happened? And I was like, okay, well, like, are you going to drive me to Edmonton? And they were like, no, like, I guess not. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to stand here and mind my own business. And they took my photo, my name, my mother's phone number, uh, you know, as much information as they could and said, all right, like, you know, you, you do you, I guess, (laughs) but it was mostly good. Like, yeah, lots of nice people.
0: Yeah. From my experience, I take a lot of calls now from people in Ontario. It seems to be pretty honest, pretty straightforward. And, uh we're we're still we're still Canadians are still easy to uh work with yeah so you also from the podcast because you mentioned I think I guess from various sources I feel like you're you might be a foodie so is there any restaurants in the country or just anywhere in the world that you want to go
1: oh um you know I'm not really like I don't have any specific um like places, but I am someone who loves food. I I pursued culinary for a good chunk of time. Um, And I definitely, since I have like British roots, like my mom and my dad are from the UK, I really want to go to the UK and have like a a traditional British breakfast because I know I'd love it. (laughs) And I also really want to go to Japan. Mm. Um, I, I remember in high school, I hate like I I never learned French. I didn't like French. I didn't click with French, but I was a big weeaboo and I watched anime in Japanese all day, every day. So then when I was finally put in Japanese class in like grade nine or 10, I thrived and I like totally was starting to learn the language and I was really excited. And I think I took it for two years. and So I definitely want to go to Japan and eat my way.
0: <laughs> You're right. Um, can you type in Japanese? I don't know what the system is
1: uh like you mean like in the different like i I, it's it's been a few years like probably not but yeah like i got pretty good at the writing like you know practicing the hiragana katakana and kanji like just the fact that but like there's so much to learn like it would take forever to read a newspaper
0: yeah yeah japan seems to have like really weird quirks like, it's just a pain in the butt to open up a bank account and just, like, do anything with it. I've been following this, um, I guess, expat who works in Japan, and uh, the the grocery stores all have this, like, weird music playing in them, and, uh, like, banking makes zero sense because they charge you fees for everything. So Japan is a, is a funny place.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. But me too. I'm, I'm dying to just go some are Eat really ramen. <laughs> yeah 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 like yeah. uh, like what because like i don't know like um you you guys have everything there right you have like you have like like what kind of options do you have in
1: we're slowly getting bigger here like i'm not sure what our population is right now but uh i'm going to look it up sure huh. let's see 25,000 ish so we have we don't even have a 711 But we have lots of like local businesses, which is way more my vibe. So like, you know, like there's there's multiple local pizza places. There's lots of sushi, Chinese food. Mm -hmm. Um, We just got our first Thai restaurant. It's called Night Market. I haven't been yet, but I'm really excited that we even have that. Mm -hmm. Um, We got some East Indian food trucks. No East Indian restaurant yet, but I heard a rumor. uh, We have Caribbean restaurants like yeah, pretty much everything. So it's kind of cool. Like we're very lucky. I try and support local as much as possible. My favorite place is this place called Wood Street Ramen. And I literally, like, live there. <laughs> like, I'll go, like, twice a month or, like, once a week when I can afford it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. That sounds pretty good then. So, uh, going back into traveling. So, Dave Chappelle and Andrew Rogan the other day talked about how important it is to travel for the soul and to gain perspective. What have you learned from all your travels and your tours? on the road
1: um uh i think yeah it's just like experiences change you as a person um it's taught me to like be able to improvise without it like really causing me stress like just being a spontaneous being able to make spontaneous decisions so like because there's lots of people that like they won't even think about traveling like unless they have you know, like an Airbnb booked and a this booked and a tour booked and a blah, blah, blah. And it's like very regimented. And like, for me, I just feel like that's like not the way to do it. Like it's more like bring a backpack, pick one location, get there, and then feel it out and like hop in a cab and ask your cabbie, hey, where should I stay? You know, or, you know, like get to your hostel and then ask those people who are there like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Like, just having these like natural things happen definitely makes it like just more awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, like a choose your own adventure book.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's nice. So, you mentioned in multiple interviews that Hall & Notes had a huge influence on you. When did you first hear their songs and uh, which one of their songs are your favorites?
1: Um, I started listening to Hall of Notes because my partner uh, kind of, he, he like has a bunch of their vinyls. Uh, but the one that he put on was like a best of vinyl. And I remember listening to it. And like a lot of the songs, I was like, Oh, my God, I remember these songs from when I was a kid, my mom listening to them. But I just like had no clue. And uh, yeah, I just love them. I think they're so fun and like cheesy. And, and like, I'm a cheesy writer. So it's totally my style. And that's why like these days, I've been embracing the like yacht rock vibe just because it's totally like all the music I listen to. Um, the song Sarah Smile is like one of my favorites. It's really cheesy, um, but it's like so smooth and like awesome. I just like love it. <laughs> so that's probably my favorite one.
0: So go more into a yacht rock because that's on your bio. I don't really know. Explain to me what uh, yacht rock is.
1: Yacht rock is like smooth rock that's like uh, kind of like people joke and say it's like dad rock, like music that dads would like. So it's like the Eagles and like Paula mm-hmm. yeah. and and, you know, Lionel Richie and like, I don't know, just like super silly stuff like that. <laughs> So, yeah, like, if you look up Yacht Rock, you'll find, like, lots of stuff. And it's kind of, like, mid-70s. There's some 60s. Like, it's kind of, like, late 60s, 70s, you know, like, eagles. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> it sounds kind of, like, kind of, in a way, like, city pop, you know? Okay. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a Japanese genre that's, like, it's very 80s pop. It's very cheesy. Uh, mm-hmm. Very like Steely Dan,
1: like Steely Dan is like definitely out rock, you know Kenny Loggins, like that stuff.
0: Yeah, you just feel like you're, you're like you can feel the time, I guess, taking yeah. place from another time. Yeah. So my legal name is Y U K U N, one letter away from Yukon. So, oh, like yeah. I've had a connection with another place. I also have feel like I have a connection of G- GMC Yukon SUVs. Uh, oh,
1: cool. <laughs>
0: So you, uh, hit, uh, you uh, traveled all over the country. What made you settle in Whitehorse? Is it because of the vibrant music scene there, or is it some other factors?
1: It was totally random. Um, so after my trip across Canada, my grandma found out that I had hitchhiked all the way to Halifax, and I saw her in London, Ontario, and she had like a full-on panic attack. She's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you hitchhiked here. I'm going to fly you home. And I was like, sure, I'll take a free ride back across the country. So she, she flew me back to Port Hardy where I had graduated and uh, I got to Port Hardy and I hung out for a little bit. And, you know, I realized that like lots of my best friends were sitting in the same spot that I had left them three months ago. Like, you know, I was like, I'm going to go do all this crazy traveling. And then meanwhile, I came back to Port Hardy and it's like, looked like my friend didn't even leave the couch. And I was like, yeah, like I'm, you know, I got itchy feet. Like I got to go. So I, uh, I met some travelers cause Port Hardy's one of those places where like a lot of people go to. And I met these two French hitchhiking girls and, um, one of them was like, yeah, I'm thinking about going, you know, either to the Yukon or the Okanagan, like, would you want to try hitchhiking together? And I was like, sure. And it was like, well, which, wh- where should we go? Like up or down? And, uh, we flipped a coin, I think. And it was like, up was for the Yukon. Down was for the Okanagan and like we flipped it and it was like boom to the Yukon we go (laughs) okay and then and then I was only supposed to be here we made the agreement that we were only going to be here for three weeks and then go to Banff Mm. um but I was here you know in the first week I fell in love with it and I was going to open mics and I was 18 I was sneaking into bars going to those open mics and jams and it was just wild I was like no I don't want to (laughs) go
0: The uh, going back to our mutual hate of the French language, the uh, <laughs> the French girls were they like from France or Quebec? Quebec, <laughs> okay. Because yeah. when I uh, when I went to New York years ago and I heard some French girl walking on the street, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. I get why they call it the sexiest language, it all <laughs> makes sense, totally. yeah. yeah. Because I don't know about Quebec French per se, but Ontario French is very butchered, it's very. Yeah like mixed up and uh, not glamorous. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Took me I a- like the Quebec French too, though. I had a good time in Montreal. I was like falling in love with everybody.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, you mentioned that getting the uh, UConn Media Development Grant supported you to finish your album and the tour playing the album. Do you have any advice for people applying for grants?
1: Um, repetition. Um, you know, it's like, it's, it's a privilege to be able to apply for money. So you can't complain when you don't get it, uh, which has happened to me two or three times. And that's fine. Like the first time I remember I got denied was in like 2014 or something for an album grant, a demo grant. And I remember crying and feeling like it was a personal thing, but like Now, all this time later, it's like I can open a letter and if it says yes or no, I'm like, whatever, at least I tried because it's the trying that matters. So try your hardest, even, you know, don't you have to like try and motivate yourself and be like, you know, yes, it's going to be a few hours of your time. It might take three days. But like, you know, again, you're you're applying for free money. So it's like that's a privilege. And if you get it, cool. And if you don't try again, because it's like we're lucky here in Whitehorse. So, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. Yeah, we have a lot of grants here in Ontario, but uh I feel like it's probably because also competition's probably crazy too. But um
1: Yeah, more also. competition there. Here it's not that bad.
0: <laughs> yeah. So what are the greatest lessons you learned from busking, other than playing louder than the other person and dressing up?
1: Mm-hmm. Um I learned that it kind of like like when you're on the street and you're busking for money you're kind of no different than the guy down the street panhandling for money. So it kind of taught me, you know, like how to be grounded. Like, you know how there's so many times where you're like, maybe on a main street somewhere and you walk past a homeless person. And I have lots of friends who like, will sometimes say really rude off the cuff things. And like, I've been that person that people have just walked right past and not given money. And I needed that money to eat food that day. So like, just like it helped put that in perspective of like, I was pretty much a homeless person too, but uh, a much more privileged one and choosing to be homeless rather than forced homeless. Um, And it's like, yeah, it's a totally different thing. But I think that's one thing it taught me was just like how to be chill and appreciate what I have. And yeah, like when I'm on Main Street now and I walk past someone panhandling or busking or anything, I'm always giving them money because I've been that guy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, I've had I've I've I have had i have i have not really done anything like busking, but there was just like one time I had a bunch of like camera equipment, but it all looked like luggage and I was waiting for a friend and I was sitting down like near like a train station and like I knew people thought I was homeless just because I was sitting down in the street corner. So I, I felt that for like very temporarily and it's a it's a really it's a really weird feeling. Yeah. 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 And I I try to give you know when i have change on me or something but um yeah it's uh it's always complicated uh, emotions when uh see someone yeah yeah so feeling love your uh debut album has been out for a couple years now what are the greatest lessons you have learned from making and promoting uh your debut album
1: um I definitely learned a lot about like how to work with um, a producer like my friend Patrick produced it. And I had never really hired a producer before. So it was my first time. So I got to learn how to like, navigate, you know, that relationship and like what that even means, like, what does a producer do? And what is his roles? And then, you know, meeting in the middle and making decisions. And like, it was really cool and it you know taught me how to like again not take things personally like if something needs to get changed or suggestion is brought up by a band member or whatever it's like I need to be open to those ideas so definitely over the years now I'm like a lot more open to hearing ideas um and yeah just um it definitely just helped my confidence because it's scary recording your own voice and it's scary recording you know in general sometimes so it's cool like it taught me just how to like loosen up a bit (laughs) and not take it so seriously because i feel like you do a better job when you're not like super tight and stressed out it's like just relax and do your thing
0: yeah yeah that sounds Mm. uh, sounds like really good lessons yeah Mm. so the the pricks uh your band why are they called the pricks and how did you how did you meet these guys
1: um so i actually it was funny we played a show this weekend at haynes junction And the uh, the gentleman that introduced us, he mentioned he found a snippet somewhere. I don't know where he found it. But uh, the band name, The Pricks, is not actually based on the people in the band. But the name comes from my past lovers. So it's like Paris Pick and The Pricks, the people of the past. (laughs) But the people I play with are actually like totally not The Pricks. They're like more like The Gentleman. But Paris Pick and The Gentleman. You know, where the nice guys wasn't going to be the <laughs> as catchy. I like alliteration. So, um, yeah, that's where the band name came from. Also, again, like since my mom was British, it's like something that she always threw around that word pricks. And I always thought it was really funny.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm like, uh, I was watching a, like a British, like a gangster movie yesterday. And I just had to look up every, every slang they said, like, because nothing made sense to me.
1: So,
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, funny. Connection. There's a
1: lot for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. So your music digs deep into self-confidence and insecurity. What kind of insecurities did you have growing up, and how did you overcome them?
1: Um, definitely like body image insecurities. Um, again, like I said in elementary school, I got bullied a lot. Um, my mom is like part Greek. So I have like hairy arms and hairy everything. And I remember like being made fun of because my arms are hairy, which is funny, because when I look at my arms now, I'm like, dude, it's like nothing. Kids are just so evil. (laughs) So you know, like, just like, you get bullied as a kid. Also, I remember like I was in ballet as a toddler and being told I was fat, you know, stuff like that. And it's just like, that stuff will scar you. Um, But I'm very lucky, like, My, you know, mom suffered with bulimia for a long time and she had body image issues of her own. And as a child, she did nothing but like, you know, boost me up, like, made me always complimented me, always said, Oh, don't, you know, don't believe what people are telling you. It's fine. You're fine. You're perfect. You're beautiful. It's all good. And like, she really helped nail that in because by the time I was a teenager, obviously, I was struggling because then your body's changing again and things are all weird. But Um, For the most part, it was like I had the support from my mom to make sure that bullies didn't get to me with that stuff. But yeah, insecurities like that mostly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I have a body image. Yeah, like no fat kid issues. Uh, Like people really didn't care after high school. And Yeah. uh
1: I feel like when you're an adult, like that's just it. It's like, or even when you're like in your late teens, like people just start realizing like, It's just not cool to talk like that to other people. Like that's what it comes down to. It's like messed up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because my um, I would sometimes ask my friends like, "Hey, why don't my my parents like are very like get into shape like makes sense, but like I asked my friend like, "Hey, why don't you guys like shame me or anything?" They're like, "Dude, if I bring this up every like, you know, like that's not fun. Like that's not what friends are for."
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Like I like you for who you are. Like I think that's what he's exactly yeah yeah no um uh, yeah i've recently like started embracing myself like really like in the recent couple years and it's just easier to live easier to live with yeah
1: yeah i think it's important to just be okay with yourself as is that's a huge thing (laughs) i'm all about that
0: (laughs) yeah so your video for hope for the best uh you i've read that it was an old to a pizza place called epic pizza and I think it also related to life and the pandemic, um, is uh, and you also mentioned that Epic Pizza is, is the first venue you played in.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Epic Pizza was like a pizzeria uh, in this little community called Riverdale, and they had like a weekly open mic. And I'm pretty sure the first time I played an open mic in Whitehorse was at Epic Pizza, um, and it was really cool. There's this lady that runs it. Her name's Peggy Hannifin. She's been running it for a long time, like 30 years or something, um, which is wild. And the pizza place shut down prior to the pandemic, I believe. And it was really a strike to the community because it was just like the place we could all go once a week to like get together. Like it'd just be all musicians in the crowd and all musicians there to play. And it was just really cool place. And the food was really good. And uh, my friend Josh owned it. So, um, yeah, the, the music video concept was like, you know, they closed. I remember always joking about how like my dream job would be being a pizza delivery girl because you just get to like smell and eat pizza all day and drive around and listen to your favorite music. And I just imagined like me driving around in like an old car, listening to like hollow notes while like blasting, you know, like an eating pizza. <laughs> um, and then yeah it just kind of all worked out like i kind of like jotted down my idea and sent it to my friends who filmed it the bullen brothers and they were totally down they were like this is a great idea let's do it
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i yeah i have um there's like a chicken place near me i think portuguese chicken that closed down a while ago before the pandemic too but it's honestly i think better than nando's um i can't i just don't know where to get like it's i just miss it so much and Um going going talking about like your your I guess job fantasy my favorite job that I've ever done it was just high school working in a sushi restaurant because I smell the food there was like top 40 playing I've only worked like maybe 10 hours a week maybe that's why but it was um yeah like I just feel like working then doing what you like at work is is super important um yeah Well,
1: and I think that's why I wanted to pursue culinary for a little while, because I love food. So I was like, I love eating food. I love making food. But then I found out that I don't like making food in a stressful environment, which lots of kitchens are. And they're very underpaid. So seven Mm. years later, I was getting paid the same wage. Mm. And I was like, this sucks. Like, it's like constant whiteouts all night. You're getting, you know, like orders, orders, orders. And then like your boss just doesn't even give you a raise. And it's like, this sucks. Like, it's hard to keep people around. Kitchens have a very high turnover rate unless you pay your people properly, which not many kitchens do. So I, I'm lucky now because I got out of it um, after that camp job. That was my last cooking job ever. And after that, I took a gig as a dishwasher at Wood Street Ramen, the place I was talking about, mm. which was way more up my alley because I got to work for people that I loved their food. But I wasn't on the line. So I didn't have to do anything that was stressing me out. I just had to wash dishes where I could listen to music. And then I got to eat ramen at the end of every shift. So I was like, this is way better. <laughs>
0: yeah. There was, uh, I was listening to Matty Matheson talk about his life before. And um, it was very, I feel, I feel like even now, there's like a bro culture. Like like chefs, like they they have to like rely on some sort of substances to keep going because the work is so hard and something so uh, intense um yeah my the restaurant I love worked and they tried to put me on kitchen but like I was clearly very inefficient so they they put me back on like wait staff after like I want to say like a couple weeks they thought I looked like the part and they thought I had because I loved it so much but like (laughs) it to be yeah yeah so, uh, talk about your upcoming e p hope for the best uh, because I certainly hear a lot of cautious optimism in your music,
1: yeah, <laughs> and when you say cautious, like what do you mean
0: just like I don't know, maybe it's like the tone uh and the lyrics combined like hope for the best right you're like you're not looking f- you're not looking towards the future you're, like the future is there, and it could be great, but like it's not right yeah
1: totally yeah so um this album i pretty much i can't remember when i started writing it i feel like i went on tour uh across canada and promotion of my last record feeling love because that was like kind of the thing you do is you like record an album then you tour it um but i didn't tour feeling love like i i did a bc tour um but yeah, so I think I started writing these songs after Breakout West, after I showcased um, sometime between after then and now was when I was, like, writing. It was, like, throughout the winter because we started recording in the summer of last year, I think. So, uh, yeah, and it's just, like, more of the same, you know, like me and my emotional journey. Like, for me, writing is very um, cathartic, so it's definitely, like, lots of venting how I'm feeling. Um, And that's not, you know, that's not how everyone writes. Some people, they're writing a story and it has nothing to do with them or, you know, they're more metaphorical. But for me, it's pretty close to home. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on. I feel like from the stuff I read about you and talking to you today, we're pretty similar. And uh, I'm still really waiting to, like, just completely liberate and completely find myself. I'm getting there. But it sounds, yeah. like, it sounds like you have, and that's really great. And uh, yeah, Toronto's a great food town. It's also a huge city. You know, F- come fly by with your, get totally. your blood fired and fly by. And um, yeah, I can't. I like because of you. I want to like go to see you come because like you know my name is close yeah. enough. And you uh, totally
1: should. It's really great. I'll take you for ramen. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm really curious about the north. Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: yeah, no problem. Hope you uh, hope you have a good day. Yeah, the weather is liking you. <laughs>
1: it's kind of a. It's yeah. It's it's getting there. It's kind of a rough start to summer, but we'll see what happens. I have my album release in a few weeks, so I'm hoping that it's not too nice around then because people hate sitting in the bar when it's nice out. Huh. So. I'm hoping for rain that weekend.
0: (laughs) That's and I didn't I didn't know that. That's that's good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Have a good one.
0: Have a good one. Bye now. Studio one.